0: section fourteen of the cathedral by jory karl heismans translated by clara bell this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen what a fearful muddle what a sea of ink is this menagerie of good and evil emblems exclaimed durtal laying down his pen he had harnessed himself that morning to the task of investigating the symbolical fauna of the middle ages At first sight the subject had struck him as newer and less arduous, and certainly as less lengthy, than the article he had thought of writing on the primitive German painters. But he now sat dismayed before his books and notes, seeking a clue to guide him through the mass of contradictory evidence that lay before him. I must take things in their order, said he to himself, if indeed any principle of selection is possible in such confusion. The beast-books of medieval times knew all the monsters of paganism satyrs fauns sphinxes harpies centaurs hydras pygmies and sirens these were all regarded as various aspects of the evil spirit so no research is needed as to their meaning they are a residuum of antiquity the true source of mystic zoology is not in mythology but in the bible which classifies beasts as clean and unclean makes them symbolize virtues and vices some species being allegorical of heavenly personages and others embodying the devil starting from this base it may be observed that the liturgical interpreters of the animal world distinguished beasts from animals including under the former head wild and untamable creatures and under the second gentle and timid creatures and domestic animals the ornithologists of the church furthermore represent birds as being the righteous while boetius on the other hand often quoted by medieval writers credited them with inconstancy and melito compares them in turn to christ to the devil and to the jewish nation it may be added that richard of saint victor disregarding these views sees in winged fowl a symbol of the life of the soul as in the four-footed beast he sees the life of the body and that gets us no further sighed durtal this is beside the mark we must find some other symbolism closer and nearer here the classification of naturalists would be useless For a biped and a reptile not unfrequently bear the same interpretation as emblems the simplest plan will be to divide the church menagerie into two large classes real beasts and monsters there is no creature that we may not include in one or the other category durtal paused to reflect nevertheless to arrive at a clearer notion and better appreciate the importance of certain families in catholic mythography we had better first take out all those animals which symbolize god the virgin and the devil, setting them aside to be referred to when they may elucidate other figures, and at the same time weed out those which apply to the evangelists and are combined in the figures of the tetramorph. The surface thus being removed, we may investigate the remainder, the figurative language of ordinary or monstrous beings. The animal emblems of God are numerous. The scriptures are filled with creatures emblematic of the Saviour. David compares him, by comparing himself, to the pelican in the wilderness to the owl in its nest to a sparrow alone on the housetop to the dove to a thirsting heart the psalms are a treasury of analogies with his qualities and his names saint isidore of seville monseigneur saint isidore as the naturalists of old are wont to call him figures jesus as a lamb by reason of his innocence as a ram because he is the head of the flock even as a he-goat because the redeemer was subject to the flesh of iniquity some took as his image the ox the sheep and the calf as beasts meet for sacrifice and others those animals that symbolize the elements the lion the eagle the dolphin the salamander the kings of the earth air water and fire some again as saint melito saw him in the kid the deer and even in the camel which however according to another passage of the same author personifies a love of flattery and of vain praise others again find him in the scarabaeus as saint oika does in the bee still the bee is regarded by rabban maur as the unclean sinner christ's resurrection is to yet other writers symbolized by the phoenix and the cock and his wrath and power by the rhinoceros and the buffalo the iconography of the virgin is less puzzling she may be symbolized by any chaste and gentle creature the anonymous englishman in his monastic distinctions compares her to the bee which we have seen so vilified by the archbishop of mayence But the virgin was most especially represented by the dove the bird of all others whose church functions are most onerous all authorities agree in taking the dove as the image at once of the virgin and of the paraclete according to saint mechthildis it is the simplicity of the heart of jesus with others it signifies the preachers the active religious life as contrasted with the turtle dove which personifies the contemplative life since the ring-dove flies and coos in company whereas the turtle dove rejoices apart and alone to bruno of asti the dove is also an image of patience a figure of the prophets as to the beasts symbolizing hell and evil they are almost without number the whole creation of monsters is to be found there then among real animals we find the serpent the aspic of scripture the scorpion the wolf as mentioned by jesus himself the leopard noted by saint melito as being allied to antichrist the she-tiger representing the sins of arrogance the hyena the jackal the bear the wild boar which in the psalms is said to destroy the vineyard of the lord the fox described as a hypocritical persecutor by peter of capua and as a promoter of heresy by rabban maur all beasts of prey and the hog the toad the instrument of witchcraft the he-goat the image of satan himself the dog the cat the ass under whose form the devil is seen in trials for witchcraft in the middle ages the leech on which the anonymous writer of Clairvaux casts contumely the raven that went forth from the ark and did not return it represents malice and the dove which came back is virtue saint ambrose tells us and the partridge which according to the same writer steals and hatches eggs she did not lay if we may believe saint theobald the devil is also symbolized by the spider for it dreads the sun as much as the evil one dreads the church and is more apt to weave its net by night than by day, thus imitating Satan, who attacks man when he knows him to be sleeping and powerless to defend himself. The prince of darkness is also to be seen as the lion and the eagle interpreted in an evil sense. This, reflected Durtal, is the same fact as we find in the expressive symbolism of colours and flowers, constantly a double meaning. The two antagonistic interpretations are almost invariably met with in the lore of hieroglyphics, excepting only in that of gems. Thus it is that the Lion, defined by Saint Hildegard as the image of zeal for God, the Lion, figuring the son himself, becomes to Hugh of Saint-Victor the emblem of cruelty. Basing their argument on a text in the Psalms, certain writers identify it with Lucifer. He is in fact the Lion who seeks whom he may devour, the Lion who rushes on his victim, david speaks of him with the dragon to be trodden under foot and saint peter in his first epistle describes him as roaring in quest of a christian to devour it is the same with the eagle which hugh of saint victor calls the standard of pride chosen by bruno of Asti, saint isidore and saint anselm to represent the saviour the fisher of men because he pounces from the highest sky on fish swimming on the surface of the water and carries them up the eagle classed in leviticus and deuteronomy with the unclean beasts Is transformed as being a bird of prey into a personification of the devil snatching away souls to gnaw and tear them thus every ferocious beast or bird and every reptile is a manifestation of the evil one durtal concluded to pass to the tetramorph the evangelistic animals are well known saint matthew who expatiates on the subject of the incarnation and sets forth the human genealogy of the messiah is symbolized by a man Saint Mark, who more especially devotes his book to the miracles of the Son, saying less about his doctrine than about his acts and his resurrection, has the Lion for his attribute. Saint Luke, who writes more especially of the virtues of Jesus, of his patience, meekness and mercy, and who dwells at length on his sacrifice, is distinguished by the ox or calf. Saint John, who preaches above all else the divinity of the word, is represented by the eagle. the meaning assigned to the ox the lion and the eagle is in perfect accordance with the character and personal aim of each gospel the lion emblematical of omnipotence is also the apt allegory of the resurrection all the primitive naturalists saint epiphanius saint anselm saint eve of chartres saint bruno of Asti, saint isidore adamantius all accept the legend that the lion cub after its birth remains lifeless for three days Then on the fourth day it awakes as it hears its father's roar and springs full of life out of the den thus christ rising at the end of three days escapes from the tomb at the call of his father the belief still prevailed that the lion sleeps with its eyes open hence it became the emblem of vigilance and saint hilary and saint augustine read in this manner of taking repose an allusion to the divine nature which was not extinguished even in the sepulchre though the human nature of the redeemer was in truth dead finally As it was considered certain that this animal effaced the traces of its steps in the sand of the desert with its tail, Rabban Mar, St. Epiphanius, and St. Isidore regarded it as signifying the Saviour, veiling his godhead under the forms of the flesh. "'Not an ordinary beast, the lion!' exclaimed Durtal. "'Well,' he went on, consulting his notes, "'the ox is less pretentious. It is the paragon of strength with humility. According to St. Paul, it is emblematical of the priesthood. Of the preacher according to Raban maur of the bishop according to peter cantor because says this writer the prelate wears a mitre of which the two horns resemble those of an ox and he uses these horns which are the wisdom of the two testaments to rip up heretics still in spite of these more or less ingenious interpretations the ox is in fact the beast of immolation and sacrifice turning to the eagle it is as we have seen the messiah pouncing on souls to catch them but other meanings are ascribed to it by saint isidore and by vincent of beauvais if we believe them the eagle that desires to test the prowess of his eaglets takes them in his talons and carries them out into the sun compelling them to look with their eyes as they begin to open on the blazing orb the eagle which is dazzled by the fire is dropped and cast away by the parent bird thus doth god reject the soul which cannot gaze on him with the contemplative eye of love the eagle again is typical of the resurrection Saint Epiphanius and Saint Isidore explain it thus. The eagle in old age flies up so near to the sun that its feathers catch fire. Revived by the flames, it drops into the nearest spring, bathes in it three times and comes out regenerate. Is not this indeed the paraphrase of the psalmist's verse, Thy youth shall be renewed as the eagle's? Saint Madalene of Pazzi, however, regards it differently, and takes it to typify faith, leaning on charity i shall have to find a place for all these documents in my article sighed durtal placing these notes in a separate wrapper now for the chimerical fauna introduced from the east imported into europe by the crusaders and travestied by the illuminators of missiles and by image-makers foremost the dragon which we already find rampant and busy in mythology and in the bible durtal rose and went into his library to find a book tradition theratologique by berger de Zivray it contained long extracts from the romance of alexander which was the delight of grown-up children of the middle ages dragons says this narrative are larger than all other serpents and longer they fly through the air which is darkened by the disgorging of their stench and venom this venom is so deadly that if a man should be touched by it or come nigh it it would seem to him a burning fire and would raise his skin in great blisters as though he had been scalded and the author adds the sea is swollen up by their venom dragons have a crest sharp talons and a hissing throat and are almost unconquerable albertus magnus tells us however that magicians when they wish to subdue them beat as loudly as they can on drums and that the dragon imagining that it is the roll of thunder which they greatly dread let themselves be handled quietly and are taken the enemy of this winged reptile is the elephant which sometimes succeeds in crushing it by falling on it with all its weight but most times it is killed by the dragon which feeds on its blood of which the freshness allays the intolerable burning caused by its own venom next to this monster comes the gryphon a combination of the quadruped and the bird for it has the body of the lion and the head and talons of the eagle then the basilisk regarded as the king of serpents it is four feet long and has a tail as thick as a tree and spotted with white its head bears a tuft in shape like a crown it has a strident voice and its eye is murderous a look says the romance of alexander so piercing that it is pestilential and deadly to all beasts whether venomous or no its breath is no less fetid nor less dangerous for by its breath are all things infected and when it is dying it is fain to disgorge it it stinks so that all other beasts flee from it its most formidable foe is the weasel which bites its throat though it be a beast no bigger than a rat for god hath made nothing without reason and remedy The pious medieval writer concludes why the weasel there is nothing to show nor was this little creature who did such good service honored by our forefathers as having a favorable meaning it is symbolical of dissimulation and depravity and taken to typify the degrading life of the mountebank it may also be remembered that this carnivorous beast which was supposed to carry its young in the mouth and give birth to them through the ear is numbered among the unclean animals in the bible this zoological homeopathy is rather inconsistent observed durtal unless the similar interpretation given to these two creatures hating each other may signify that the devil devours himself next we have the phoenix a bird of very fine plumage resembling the peacock it is very solitary and feeds on the seeds of the ash its color moreover is of purple overshot with gold and because it is said to rise again from its ashes it is always typical of the resurrection of christ The unicorn was one of the most amazing creatures in mystical natural history it is a very cruel beast with a great and thick body after the fashion of a horse it hath for a weapon a great horn half a fathom in length so sharp and so hard that there is nothing it cannot pierce when men need to take it they bring a virgin maid to the place where they know that it has its abode when the unicorn sees her and knows that she is a virgin it lieth down to sleep in her lap doing her no harm then come the hunters and kill it likewise if she be not a pure maid the unicorn will not sleep but killeth the damsel who is not pure whence we conclude that the unicorn is one of the emblems of chastity as also is another very strange beast of which saint isidore speaks the porphyrion this has one foot like that of the partridge and the other webbed like that of a goose its peculiarity consists in mourning over adultery and loving its master so faithfully that it dies of pity in his arms when it learns that his wife has deceived him so that this species was soon extinct there must be some more fabulous beasts to be included murmured durtal again turning over his papers he found the wyvern a sort of melusina half woman and half serpent a very cruel beast full of malice and devoid of pity saint ambrose tells us the manochorus with the face of a man the tawny eyes and crimson mane of a lion a scorpion's tail and the flight of an eagle this sort is insatiable by human flesh the leon Cerote, offspring of the male hyena and the lioness having the body of an ass the legs of a deer the breast of a wild beast a camel's head and armed with terrible fangs the tharanda which according to hugh of saint victor has the shape of the ox the profile of the stag the fur of the bear and which changes colour like the chameleon finally the sea-monk the most puzzling of all since vincent of beauvais describes it as having its body covered with scales and it is furnished in lieu of arms with fins all over claws besides having a monk's shaven head ending in the snout of a carp others were also invented as for instance the gargoyles hybrid monsters signifying the vomiting forth of sin ejected from the sanctuary reminding the passer-by who sees them pouring forth the water from the gutter that when seen outside the church they are the voidants of the spirit the cloaca of the soul but said durtal to himself that seems to me enough of the matter from the point of view of symbolism this menagerie is not particularly interesting since these monsters the wyvern the manichorus the leoncerote, the thoranda, and sea-monk all mean the same thing and all embody the spirit of evil he took out his watch come said he I still have time enough before dinner to go through the list of real animals and he turned over his notes on birds the cock said he is prayer watchfulness the preacher the resurrection since it is the first to wake at daybreak the peacock that has as an old writer says the voice of a devil and the feathers of an angel is a mass of contradictory symbols it typifies pride and according to saint anthony of padua immortality as well as vigilance by reason of the eyes in its tail. The pelican is the image of contemplation and of charity, of love too, according to Saint Madeleine of Pazzi. The sparrow symbolizes penitential solitude, the swallow, sin, the swan, pride, according to Raban Maur, diligence and solitude, according to Thomas de catempre The nightingale is mentioned by Saint Mechtildis as meaning the tender soul and the same saint compares the lark to persons who do good works with cheerfulness it is to be noted too that in the windows of bourges the lark means charity to the sick here are others specified by hugh of saint victor to him the vulture means idleness the kite rapacity the raven detraction the white owl hypochondria the common owl ignorance the magpie chattering talk and the hoopoe sluttishness and evil report this is all a sorry medley said durtal and i fear it will be the same with the mammalia and other beasts he compared a few passages the ox the lamb the sheep we have seen the sheep is the type of timidity and meekness and saint Pacomius embodies in him the monk who lives punctual and obedient and loving his brethren saint melito on his part ascribes hypocrisy to the ostrich temporal power to the rhinoceros human frailty to the spider We may also mention among the crustacea, the crab as symbolizing heresy, and the synagogue, because it walks backwards and away from the path of righteousness. Among fish, the whale is the emblem of the tomb, just as Jonas, who came out of it after three days, is typical of Jesus risen from the dead. Among rodents, the beaver is the image of Christian prudence, because, says the legend, when he is pursued by hunters, he tears with his teeth the pouch containing castoreum, and flings it at the foe for this reason it is likewise the animal representative of the text in the gospel which declares that a man must cut off the offending member which is an occasion of sin let us pause before the den of wild beasts according to hugh of saint victor the wolf is avarice the fox is cunning adamantius says that the wild boar represents blind rage the leopard wrath, ambush and daring The tiger and the hyena, which can change its sex at will and imitate the voice of man, signifies hypocrisy, while St. Hildegard shows that the panther, by reason of the beauty of its spots, is typical of vainglory. We need not dwell on the bull, the bison, and the buffalo. The symbolists regard them as emblems of brute force and pride, while the goat and the boar pig are vessels of lust and filth. They divide this honour with the toad, an unclean reptile. The habitation of the devil who assumes its form to show himself to the female saints for instance to saint Teresa. as to the hapless frog it is equally defamed because of its likeness to the toad the stag is in better odour saint jerome and cassiodorus say it exemplifies the christian who overcomes sin by the sacrament of penance or by martyrdom representing god in the psalms it is also taken as the heathen desiring baptism A legend attributes to it so vehement a horror of the serpent, in other words of the devil, that whenever it can it attacks and devours him, but if it subsequently goes for three hours without drinking it dies. Hence after that meal it runs to and fro in the forest seeking a spring of which, if it finds one, it drinks, and is then many years younger. The she-goat is sometimes held in ill fame as being akin to the he-goat, but it more often is regarded as the well-beloved, to which the bride in canticles compares it the hedgehog hiding in crannies is interpreted by saint melito as the sinner by peter of capua as the penitent as to the horse as a creature of vanity and pride it is opposed by peter cantor and adamantius to the ox which is all gravity and simplicity it is well however to observe that to confuse the matter by presenting the horse under another aspect saint euicher compares it to a saint and the anonymous monk of Clairvaux identifies the devil with the ox the poor ass is no better treated by hugh of saint victor who accuses it of stupidity by saint gregory the great who taxes it with laziness and peter of Capua, who speaks of its lust it must however be observed that saint melito compares it with christ for its humility and that the exegetists explain the ass's foal ridden by christ on palm sunday as an image of the gentiles as they interpret the she-ass that threw him to mean the jews finally two domestic animals dear to man the cat and the dog are generally contemned by the mystics the dog typical of sin says peter cantor and the most quarrelsome of beasts adds hugh of saint victor is the creature that returns to his vomit it also prefigures the reprobates of whom the apocalypse speaks who are to be driven out of the heavenly jerusalem saint melito speaks of it as the apostate and saint pacomius as the rapacious monk but Raban Mal redeems it a little from this condemnation by specifying it as emblematic of confessors the cat which is but once mentioned in the bible in the book of baruch is invariably abhorred by the primitive naturalists who accuse it of embodying treachery and hypocrisy and of lending its skin to the devil to enable him to appear in its shape to sorcerers Durtal turned over a few more pages, discovering that the hare typified timidity and cowardice, and the snail laziness, noting the opinion of Ademantius, who ascribes levity and a mocking spirit to the monkey, that of Peter of Capua and of the anonymous writer of Clairvaux, that the lizard, which crawls and hides in cracks in the walls, is, as well as the serpent, an emblem of evil. And he recorded the special ascription of ingratitude by Christ himself to the viper, for he gives the name to the Jewish race durtal then hastily dressed fearing to be late as he was dining with the abbe Chevrasin and the abbe plomb pursued by madame mesurat who insisted on dealing him one more blow with the clothes-brush he rushed downstairs and was soon at his friend's door madame bavoil who opened it appeared in a cap all askew and hair loose upturned sleeves and scorched arms with cheeks crimson from the kitchen fire she confessed to the concoction of a dish of beef a la mode softened by calf's foot jelly and strengthened by a dash of brandy and fled alarmed by the impatient call of a saucepan of which the contents were boiling over on the hot plates of the stove with a noise like cats swearing durtal found the old abbe tormented by rheumatism but as ever patient and cheerful they talked a little while then seeing that durtal was looking at some little lumps of gum lying on his writing-table the abbe said that is incense from the carmel of chartres indeed yes the carmelites are accustomed to burn none but genuine true incense so i begged them to trust me with a specimen that i might procure the same quality for our cathedral it is everywhere adulterated i suppose yes this substance is found in commerce under three forms male incense which is the best if unadulterated female incense which is mixed with reddish fragments and dry grains called marrons finally incense in powder which is for the most part a mixture of inferior resin and benzoin and what have you there this is male incense do you see those oblong tears those almost transparent drops of faded amber how different from that which they use at notre dame it is earthy broken full of scraps and it is safe to wager that those knobs are crystals of carbonate of lime and not beads of pure resin why said durtal this substance suggests to me the idea of a symbolism of odors has it ever been worked out i doubt it but in any case it would be very simple the aromatic substances used in the liturgy are reduced to three frankincense myrrh and balm their meaning is known to you incense is the divinity of the sun and our prayers which rise up like vapors in the presence of the most high as the psalmist says myrrh is repentance the sufferings of jesus his death The martyrs and also according to monsieur Ollier, the type of the virgin who heals the souls of sinners as myrrh cauterizes the festering of wounds balm is another word for virtue but though there are few liturgical savours it is not so with regard to mystical effluences which vary infinitely we have however but little information on the subject we merely know that the odour of sanctity is antithetical to that of the devil that many of the elect have diffused during their lifetime and after their death an exquisite fragrance which cannot be analyzed such were madeleine of pazzi saint Asienne de muret saint Philip neri saint paternianus saint hermer the venerable francis olympus Jean de martel and many more we know too that our sins stink each according to its nature and the proof of this is that the saints could detect the state of men's consciences merely by the smell of their bodies do you remember how saint joseph of cupertino exclaimed to a sinner whom he met my friend you smell very badly go and wash to return to the odor of sanctity in certain persons it has been known to assume a natural character almost identical with certain familiar scents saint treverius exhaled a fragrance compounded of roses lilies balm and incense saint rose of viterbo smelt of roses saint Carretan of orange blossom saint catherine of ricci of violets st Theresa by turns of lily jasmine and violet st thomas aquinas of incense st francis of paul of musk i mention these at random as they occur to me yes and st lidouine when so ill diffused a fragrance which also imparted a flavor her wounds exhaled a cheerful savour of spice and the very essence of flemish home cooking a refined extract of cinnamon on the other hand the abbe went on the stench of wizards and witches was notorious in the middle ages on this point all exorcists and writers on demonology are agreed and it is almost invariably recorded that after an apparition of the devil a foul odor of sulphur was left in the cells even when the saints had succeeded in dislodging him but the essential odor of the devil is amply recorded in the life of christina of Stumbella. you are not ignorant i suppose of the exploits in which satan indulged against that saint indeed i am monsieur then I may tell you that the narrative of these assaults has been preserved by the Bollandists, who have included the life of this pious woman in their biographies. It was written by Peter of Darcia, a Dominican, and her confessor. Christina was born early in the 13th century, 1242, I believe, at Stumbella, near Cologne. She was persecuted by the devil from her infancy. He exhausted the armory of his arts against her, appeared to her under the form of a cock, a bull, an apostle, covered her with lice filled her bed with vermin poisoned her blood and as he could not make her deny god he invented fresh torments he turned the food she put into her mouth into a toad a snake a spider and disgusted her so effectually with all food that she was dying for want of it she spent her days in vomiting and prayer to god to rescue her but he was silent still to sustain her in such trials the sacrament was left to her satan knowing this determined to deprive her of this sustenance and appeared in the form of these creatures even in the host when she received it finally to conquer her he took the form of a huge toad and established himself in her bosom at first christina fainted with fright but then god intervened by his order she wrapped her hand in her sleeve slipped it between her body and the belly of the reptile tore away the toad and flung it on the stones it was dashed to pieces with a noise said the saint like an old shoe these persecutions continued till advent in 1268 and from that time the plague of filth began peter of darcia relates that one evening christina's father came to fetch him from his convent in cologne and begged him to go with him to his daughter tormented by the devil he and another dominican brother Wipert, set out and on arriving at stumbella they found in the haunted hut the priest of the district the reverend father godefrid prior of the benedictines of brunevillre and cellarer of that convent as they stood warming themselves they discoursed of the pestilential incursions of the devil when suddenly the performance was repeated they were all bespattered with filth christina being caked with it to use the friar's expression and strange to say adds peter of darcia this matter which was but warm burned christina raising blisters on her skin this continued for three days at length one evening friar wippert quite exasperated began to recite the prayers for exorcism but a terrific uproar shook the room the candles went out and he was hit in the eye by something so hard that he exclaimed woe is me i am blind of an eye he was led feeling his way into an adjoining room where the garments they changed were dried and where water was constantly heated for their ablutions he was cleansed and his eye washed it had suffered no serious injury and he returned to the other room to say matins with the two benedictines and peter of dacia but before chanting the service he went up to the patient's bed and clasped his hands in amazement she was covered with filth indeed but all was changed the smell which had been supernaturally foul was changed to angelic fragrance christina's saintly resignation had routed the tempter of souls and they all joined in praising god what do you say to that narrative it is astounding certainly but is this the only instance of such infernal filth No in the next century analogous circumstances haunted elizabeth de reuter and likewise the blessed beta here again satan allowed himself such filthy sport it may also be noted that in modern times acts of the same kind were observed in the house of the cure but in all this i see nothing to illustrate the symbolism of perfumes remarked durtal at any rate the subject would seem to be narrow or ill-defined and the number of odors that can be named is small There are certain essences mentioned in the Old Testament prefiguring the Virgin. Some of them are interpreted in other senses, as spikenard, cassia, and cinnamon. The first represents strength of soul, the second, sound doctrine, and the third, the sweet savour of virtue. Then there is the essence of cedar, which in the 13th century symbolised the doctors of the church. And there are three specifically liturgical perfumes, incense, balm, and myrrh besides the odor of sanctity which in the case of some saints could be analyzed and the demoniacal stench from a mere animal smell to the horrible nastiness of rotten eggs and sulfur we must now inquire whether the personal fragrance of the elect is in harmony with the qualities or acts of which each was on earth the example or the doer and it would seem to have been so when we remark that saint thomas aquinas who composed the admirable sequence on the holy sacrament exhaled a perfume of incense and that saint catherine of ricci who was a model of humility smelt of violets the emblem of that virtue but the abbe plomb now came in and being informed by durtal of the subject under discussion he said but you have omitted from your diabolical flavors the most conspicuous how is that monsieur l'Abbe? certainly for you have taken no account of the false fragrance which satan can diffuse in fact his baleful effluvia are of two kinds One characterized by the stench of sulfurous waters and drains, the other by a false odor of sanctity, delicious gusts of sweetness and temptation. This is how the evil one tried to seduce Dominico de Guzman. He bathed him in delicious vapors, hoping thus to inspire him with notions of vain glory. Thus, too, did he to Jourdain of Saxony, who exhaled a sweet odor when saying Mass. God showed him that this phenomenon was of infernal origin, and it then ceased and i recollect a singular anecdote told by quercetanus concerning a mistress of charlemagne's who died the king who worshipped her could not bear to have her body interred though it was decomposing exhaling however a perfume of violets and roses the body was examined and in its mouth a ring was found which was removed the demoniacal enchantment forthwith ceased the body became foul and charlemagne allowed it to be buried we may add to this diabolical odour of seduction another which is on the contrary feated and is used to annoy the believer to hinder him in prayer to estrange him from his fellows and drive him if possible to despair still this smell with which the devil infects a being may be included in the category of the smells of temptation not indeed to pride but to weakness and fear meanwhile i have something else for you said the abbe addressing durtal here are the titles i have collected for you of some works on the symbolical animals of the middle ages you have read des besties et Alice rebus by hugh of saint victor yes very good you may further consult albertus magnus Bartholomew de glanville and pierre de bressuire i have noted on this paper a series of such beast books those of hildebert philippe de Tanne, guillaume de normandie gautier de metz and richard de fournival only you would have to go to paris to procure them in the public libraries and that would not help me much replied durtal i have ere now looked through many of these works and they contain no information that can be of use from the point of view of symbolism they are mere fabulous descriptions of animals legends as to their origin and habits the Spicilegium solis mense and the analecta of dom pitra are far more instructive by his help with that of saint isidore saint epiphanius and hugh of saint victor we can decipher the figurative meaning of monsters they are all alike there has been no complete or serious work produced on symbolism since the middle ages for the Abbe Aubert's work on the subject is a delusion in vain will you seek for a treatise on flowers which even alludes to the catholic significance of plants I do not of course mean those silly books compiled for lovers and called the language of flowers which you may find on the bookstalls with old cookery books and dream books it is the same with regard to colors nothing proven or authentic has been written concerning infernal or celestial hues for in fact the treatise by frédéric portal is worthless to explain angelico's work i had to hunt here and there through the mystics to discover where i might the meanings they ascribe to colors and i see plainly that i must do the same for my article on the emblematical fauna there is on the whole nothing to be found in technical works it is in the bible and in the liturgy the fountain-head of symbolical law that i must cast my net by the way monsieur l'abbé have you not some remarks to communicate on the zoology of the scriptures yes we will go to dinner if you please said madame Bavoil. the abbé gevresin said grace and when they had eaten the soup the housekeeper served the beef it was strengthening tender savoury to its inmost fibre penetrated by the rich and highly flavoured sauce you don't get the like at la trappe our friend eh said madame Bavoil. nor will he get anything so good at any other religious retreat said the abbe do not discourage me beforehand said durtal laughing let me enjoy this without a pang there is a time for all things then you are fully determined said the abbe gevresin to write a paper for your review on allegorical beasts yes monsieur l'Abbé. i have made a list for you from the works of filion and of les Etres, of the blunders made by the translators of the bible when they disguised real beasts under chimerical names said the abbe plomb this in a few words is the upshot of my researches there was never any mythological fauna in the sacred books The Hebrew text was misread by those who translated it into Greek and Latin, and the strange zoology that we find in certain chapters of Isaiah and Job is easily reduced to the nomenclature of well-known creatures. Thus, the Onocentors and Sirens, spoken of by the Prophet, are neither more nor less than jackals, if we examine the Hebrew original. The Lamia, a vampire, half-woman and half-serpent like the wyvern, is a nightbird, the white or the screech-owl the satyrs and fauns the hairy beasts spoken of in the Vulgate, are after all no more than wild goats skirrim as they are called in the mosaic original the reptile so frequently mentioned in the bible under the name of dragon is indicated in the original by various words which sometimes mean the serpent or the crocodile sometimes the jackal and sometimes the whale and the famous unicorn of the scriptures is merely the primeval bull or oroch, which is to be seen on the assyrian A race now dying out lingering only in the remotest parts of lithuania and the caucasus and the behemoth and leviathan spoken of by job the word behemoth is a plural form in hebrew meaning excellence it designates a prodigious and enormous beast the rhinoceros perhaps or the hippopotamus as to leviathan it was a huge reptile a gigantic python that is a pity said durtal imaginary zoology was far more amusing why what is this vegetable he inquired as he tasted a curious stew of greens dandelions cut up and boiled with shreds of bacon replied madame bavoil do you like the dish our friend indeed i do your dandelions are to garden spinach and chicory what the wild duck is to the tame or the hare to the rabbit and it is a fact that garden plants are generally poor and tasteless while those that grow wild have a certain astringency and pleasant bitter flavor it is the venison of vegetables that you have given us madame bavoil i fancy said the abbé plomb who had been thoughtful that just as we tried to compile a mystic flora the other day we might make a list of the deadly sins as represented by animals obviously and with very little trouble pride is embodied in the bull the peacock the lion the eagle the horse the swan and the wild ass according to vincent de beauvais avarice by the wolf and says saint-théobald by the spider for lust we have the he-goat the boar the toad the ass and the fly which st gregory the great tells typifies the turbulent cravings of the senses for envy the sparrow-hawk the owl and screech-owl for greediness the hog and the dog for anger the lion and wild boar and according to adamantius the leopard for sloth the vulture the snail the she-ass and Raban Maur says the mule as to the virtues antithetical to these vices humility may be typified by the ox and the ass indifference to worldly possessions by the pelican the emblem of the contemplative life chastity by the dove and the elephant though it is true that this interpretation of peter of capo is contradicted by other mystics who accuse the elephant of pride and speak of him as an enormous sinner charity by the lark and the pelican temperance by the camel which taken in another sense typifies under the name of gamal extravagant fury vigilance by the lion the peacock the ant quoted by the abbess erard and the anonymous monk of clervaux and especially by the cock to which saint eicher attributes this virtue in common with all other symbolists i may add that the dove alone epitomizes all these qualities and is the synthesis of all virtue yes and she alone is never spoken of as having any evil significance A distinction she shares with white and blue the only colours which are exempt from the law of antithesis and are never ascribed to any vice said durtal the dove cried madame bavoil who was changing the plates she plays a beautiful part in the story of noah's ark ah our friend you should hear what mother jeanne de martel says of her what does she say madame The admirable jeanne begins by saying that original sin produced in human nature the deluge of sin from which the virgin alone was exempted by the father who chose her to be his one dove then she relates how lucifer represented by the raven escaped from the ark through the window of free will then god to whom mary had belonged from all eternity opened the window of the will of his providence and from his own bosom from the heavenly ark he sent the original dove on the earth where she gathered a spray of the olive of his mercy took her flight back to the ark of heaven and offered this branch for the whole human race she then implored divine grace to abate the deluge of sin and besought the heavenly noah to descend from that high ark then without quitting the bosom of the father from whom he is inseparable he came down et verbum caro factum est et habitavit in nobis the abbe gevresin added in conclusion this prefiguration of the word by noah is certainly curious remarked Dur-Tal animals are also introduced in the iconography of the saints the abbe plomb resumed so far as i can recollect the ass is the attribute of saint marcellus of saint john chrysostom of saint germain of saint aubert of saint francis of rome and of some others the stag of saint hubert and saint Rieux, the cock of saint landry and saint vitus the raven of saint benedict saint apollinarius saint vincent saint ida saint expeditus the deer of saint henry the wolf of saint Vast, saint norbert saint Remaklus, and saint arnold the spider betokens saint conrad and saint felix of nola the dog accompanies saint godfrey saint bernard saint roche saint margaret of cortona and saint dominique when it bears a burning torch in its mouth the doe is the badge of saint giles saint leu saint genevieve of brabant and saint maximus the pig of saint anthony the dolphin of saint adrian of saint lucian and saint basil the swan of st cuthbert and st hugh the rat is seen with st goutran and st gertrude the ox with st cornelius st eustatius st honorius st thomas aquinas st lucy st blandina st bridget st sylvester st sebaldus st saturninus the dove belongs to st gregory the great st remy st ambrose st hilary st ursula st aldegonde and st scholastica whose soul flew up to heaven under that form And the list might be indefinitely extended shall you mention in your article these accompaniments to the saints in point of fact replied durtal most of these attributes are based on history or legend and not on symbolism so i shall not devote any particular attention to them there was a silence then abruptly the abbé plomb looking at his brother priest said to durtal i am going to Salem again a week hence and i told the reverend father abbot that i should take you with me then seeing durtal's amazement he smiled but i will not leave you there he went on unless you wish not to return to chartres i only propose that you should pay a visit there just long enough to breathe the atmosphere of the convent to make acquaintance with the benedictine fathers and try their life durtal was silent somewhat scared for this proposal simple enough as it was that he should go to live for some days in a cloister had startled him into a strange a grotesque notion that if he should accept it it would be playing away his last card risking a decisive step taking a sort of pledge before god to settle there and end his days in his immediate presence but what was most strange was that this idea so imperative and overpowering that it excluded all possible reflection bereft him of all his powers of self-protection left him disarmed at the mercy of he knew not what this idea which nothing justified was not centered not fixed on solemn, whither he should retreat was for the moment of small importance that was not the question the only point to settle was whether he meant to yield at all to a vague impulse to obey unformulated orders which were nevertheless positive and give an earnest to god who seemed to be harassing him without any sufficient explanation he felt himself inexorably condemned tacitly compelled to pronounce his decision then and there he tried to struggle to reason to recover his self-possession but the very effort was fatal he felt a sort of inward syncope as though while his body was still upright his soul was fainting within him with fatigue and terror but this is madness he cried madness why what is the matter cried the two priests i beg your pardon nothing are you in pain no it is nothing there was an awkward pause which he was determined to break did you ever take laughing gas said he the gas which sends you to sleep and is used in surgery for short operations no well you feel a buzzing in your brain and just as you hear a great noise of falling waters you lose consciousness that is what i am feeling only the experience is not in my brain but in my soul which is giddy and helpless on the point of fainting away i should like to think said the abbe plomb that it is not the thought of a visit to Solesmes that has thus upset you durtal had not courage enough to own the truth he was afraid of seeming ridiculous if he confessed to such a panic So to avoid a direct answer he vaguely shook his head and i cannot help wondering why you should hesitate for you will be welcomed with open arms the father abbot is a man of the highest merit and moreover no enemy to art besides and this i hope will suffice to reassure you he is a most simple and kind-hearted monk but i have to finish my article the two priests laughed you have a week before you to write your article in and then to get any benefit from a monastery i ought not to be in the state of dryness and diffusion in which i find myself vegetating durtal went on with difficulty the saints themselves are not free from distractions replied the abbe for instance think of the monk of whom tauler speaks who on quitting his cell in the month of may would cover his face with his hood that he might not see the country and so be hindered from contemplating his soul oh our friend must that gentle jesus as the venerable jeanne says be forever the poor man pining for admittance at the door of our heart come just a little goodwill, open yours to him cried madame bavoil and durtal finally driven into his last entrenchments by a nod signified acquiescence in the wish of all his friends but he did it with deep reluctance for he could not rid himself of a distracting idea that this concession implied a vow on his part to god End of section 14.